So, well, how much time have you have you put into Mario Odyssey? I'd say about ten hours. That's it. I, yeah, I've been. I'm kind of stuck right now between like three games. I'm stuck between Mario, FIFA, which is surprisingly fun on the Switch, and believe it or not, Rocket League, which came out today. Oh boy. As we record, came out today. I've played five games, and it is just as good as it is on anything else. So, and how much of that time has been spent playing in bed? Zero. I because it came out today, and I have yet to. I'm, go I'm, to ta- bed. I'm talking about the the whole time you've had the switch. Oh, a disturbing amount of time. <laughs> a disturbing. I've played whole Ultimate Team seasons. Before going to sleep. It's not healthy at all. So what what um, division are you in on FIFA? I have been holding in six for about three seasons now. I got relegated to seven and then back up to six. I'm having trouble getting beyond six, but I think the season I just... I'm about halfway through. I might be able to advance, so we'll see. See, I don't... What I've, been, what I've been focusing mostly on is squad battles. Squad battles are very interesting. Because you, you play against squads that other people have made, but you're still playing against the computer. Huh. And of course, of course you play with teams that have Messi and Ronaldo and Aubameyang... Cards yes, that be- you wouldn't believe that people have. Yes, because people pay for them. You gotta, you gotta remember that there's a lot of people that sink a few hundred dollars a year right. into FIFA Ultimate Team. I can claim that I've never once spent money on FIFA Ultimate Team. I have bought the extended edition, like the gold edition that gives you the codes to get the extra packs, but. That's about it. So, that's microtransactions for you. Yep. Ask anybody that's excited about Star Wars Battlefront 2. I, no, I will refuse to buy Battlefront. No, I, I don't have time. I've got Pokemon to play, Rocket League to play, and sports to watch. So, I don't have time. I'm, I'm just waiting for price to go down on Shadow of War. There you go. But I've really been sunk into replaying Batman Arkham Knight. <laughs> wow. There's a game. Well, I mean, that's video games for you. And yep. we can talk about FIFA all we want, but, but we're not, not here we're to here talk for. about. Exactly. We're not here to talk about video games or even soccer video games because technically both FIFA Ultimate Team, and Rocket League are soccer-related video games. We are here to talk about the beautiful game in the freedom country known as the United States. We are... Even though we're not the only country to have freedom. Okay, don't don't be quoting the newsroom to me. I can quote that entire spiel <laughs> word for word. We are the best freedom country. And again, don't don't argue with me on that, but we are the best freedom country. And 
I am Alex Ryder, and I am here to talk to you about American soccer on the American Soccer Broadcast. Say hi to the people, Jordan. Hi, I'm here also to talk about the soccer in the Freedom State. And according to Zach, that's the according to uh, that's the best Freedom State apparently. Best Freedom State of all. So we today is uh, it is the evening of November fourteenth, two thousand seventeen. In the year of our Lord, and after thirty five days, I did that in my head. I just want you to know. After 35 days of mourning, sackcloth, ashes, the firing of Bruce Arena, and 25,000 people. Don't forget forget sad naps. Yes, there were sad naps as the friends over at, I wish they were our friends, our, our colleagues over at Men in Blazers would say sad nap. After 35 days, the United States men's national team once again played soccer. They played it in Portugal. And what happened, Jordan? Um, surprisingly, it was not that bad of a game. Like, immediately after this game, I tweeted, that was better, dot, 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 question mark, upside down smiley face. So, um, I will say, first of all, I, I will say there was a particular energy. We, we came up right off the bat and we attacked Portugal. We came out, we came out with a high line, high def- defensive line. And I think we created chances because of that. We got in, and I was, most of those chances came off of set pieces and a lot of those came off Acosta. Acosta was sending in a lot of dangerous balls. Yeah, he had a great redemptive showing today. And I'll, I'll also say there was this energy that came out with that. You didn't you didn't see that in Trinidad and Tobago. I mean, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll be honest. It, it sounds horrible to say, but... I'm just being honest. You, there was that energy. You didn't see that. And days this, ago. and if I were to say that that's the last time we're going to say something about Trinidad and Tobago, I'd be lying out of my teeth because Trinidad and Tobago is our battle of Yavin. I mean, we're we're going to be talking about that for the next four to eight years. I think that we might stop talking about it. In 2019, I think that once we get confirmation of the Gold Cup and what we're up against in Copa America, hopefully, Lord willing, that we'll stop talking about the past and we'll start talking about the future. But until then, yes, we're going to moan, whine, and complain about how a elderly team came out and played like junk. Now, going through the lineup, um, right off the bat, you've got a lot more young kids. You've got Miazga, you've got Acosta, you've got Adams making his debut, McKinney making his debut. He did fantastically, though. Oh, my gosh. They both, Adam had a, 
Adams had a chance. Um, Acosta had a chance. Lee Jodzcat had a chance. I, even Yedlin. Like, y- Yedlin. Even Yedlin had a chance. And here's the thing. Yedlin was one of the senior members of this team. Yeah, there was he, he actually was the, a debate whether he would be the captain. He was one of the oldest t- players on that team. I, I think it was, was it either him or Brooks. Um, It was him. No, Brooks was older. No, Dom Dwyer, actually, now that I think about it. Really? Yeah, Dom Dwyer's in his late 20s. Okay. I forgot I, about I, that. I thought he was younger. No, Dom Dwyer is 27. The only reason he didn't play in our system when he was younger is because of the, cause he had to become a citizen first. Maybe I was just thinking of starting lineup. That's true. But yeah, um, just right down to brass tacks, Dave Sarakin was... You definitely can tell that he did exactly what everybody wanted, and that was play the babies. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of first or first, a, a second, or debuts. third. Yeah, less than... I think the average... Excuse me. The average was below 20 for number of appearances, number of caps, um, and that was inflated by the fact that John Brooks and DeAndre... Yeah, Lynn are into their 50s on caps. So, but what we saw was a team that definitely had, there were players out there that had something to prove. And several of them proved it. John Brooks came back from a long stint of injury. And I think you would agree, came back strong. Oh, yeah. But... What ultimately happened is Weston McKinney, in his first ever game mm. for the these United States, scored what I actually thought was a very well-thought-out goal that ultimately was definitely a youthful goal, is, is a word I'm going to use, because you don't see that kind of speed or that from the older players they would have maybe mm-hmm. had some intelligence to handle it but not that kind of speed and mckinney definitely came out looking like what he knew what he was doing because he's gotten so much game time already with the u17s and the u20s was it him or one of the other players that i heard is is the first u.s player to play for the u17s the u20s and the national team all in the same calendar year. Was that him or was that Adams? Did Josh Sargent get in the game? Yes. Yes, he did. It, it might have been Sargent. Okay. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, we. but we have saw the defense held their own. Granted, this was basically a Portugal B team. There, they had several of their starters, but not everybody. No... Definitely no Ronaldo, but we had the between their more youthful lineup and our more youthful lineup. We definitely had the upper hand in the first half, and much of the second half. We and, and much of the second half. I, I will I will say much of our chances in the at first half came because we held a high line. You didn't see that as much as we were introducing subs. 
and things got confusing, and Portugal got more chances, but, you know. Yeah. Then, yeah. then the game then the game started to open up a little bit. And once it did, and once it opened up, it kind of led to some of those late plays. But unfortunately, there was there was one kind of dim spot, and I feel really bad for him. And I did I, say I, something. I know exactly what you're talking about. I did say something kind of mean about about Horvath on um, Twitter, basically saying that Joe Bendick would have saved that. And I do believe that Joe Bendick, if he had been healthy, would have at and least he, gotten a call. Here's the thing. He's been doing the, that, those same kind of things. Uh, distribution problems, not handling the ball. That is why he lost his starting spot in, what is it, Club Brugge, I believe? Um, Shelkin, I think? No, McKinney's at Shelkin. Yes, then yes, you're correct. I, I and, and that is why he lost Can't get this. all these kids straight. Keep all these kids straight. But yeah. And he, that, that is why he lost his starting spot at Club Bruges. Because he, he was making those same kind of mistakes. And it, it was silly mistakes. It was under pressure, making, like you said, distribution problems. There was a... There was a chance in the in late first half after he gave up the goal, which literally went right through his legs after he had made the initial save. And he literally threw the ball right to um, Gudez of Portugal and that he put a shot right back at him, which he was, Ethan Horvath was lucky to save, but... He he rebounded well, which shows his mental toughness, but I still think that before he can start getting in the conversation, and this is just a first take for some for a player that's only made his third start for the national team, he needs to definitely regain that starting spot in Belgium mm-hmm. and he needs to ultimately reduce those silly mistakes if he's going to be the starting Cause, goalie. Because Bill Hamid for, doesn't for make now, those mistakes. Yeah, for now, the starting spot for me goes to Hamid. And then you've got the whole Brett. And I agree with you, and I think that's how it should be. Hamid has played incredible soccer at D.C. He's played, the last... he's played good soccer in D.C., and now he's going to Europe, and he's going to step up, hopefully step up his game even more. Exactly. And I think that if he can keep a starting spot in Europe and keep a good record in Europe, that we'll see more of him. And we did see him in the second half, and he had several great saves. Mm -hmm. So, overall... A question. Did you see the... The goal that John Brooks almost had. I heard it. I didn't. I I only what, watched what? bits and pieces of this game at work, and I know for a fact that none of my coworkers listen to this, so I don't have to worry about this. But what about I, your boss? My boss or my mom? Did you say my mom or my boss? Your boss. I know for a fact my boss doesn't listen to this. 
Okay. But what happened was, um, it was, I believe, a corner. And Acosta sent it in. Another beautiful ball from Acosta. And Brooks just basically tore away from this man, got into space, and got a good header on. It was basically the same goal from the Ghana game in 2014. Basically the most identical goal. However, Miazga had shoved the man that was marking Brooks. And the referee called a foul on Miazga, and the goal was disallowed. Yeah, I, I'm remembering that now, and I remember the commenters talking about how, oh, he scored another one from the corner in, a, in late like that. And it's it, that definitely shows that Brooks is healthy, and I definitely think that what we what we definitely learned from this game more than anything is that we've got three solid three or four solid defenders. We've got DeAndre Yedlin, we've got Matt Miazga, we've got John Brooks, and we've got Cameron Carter Vickers. Cameron Carter Vickers had I did not realize until it was said on the broadcast this was his first cap. I thought for sure he had been capped. And he what, had a what, what are you, What are your a, thoughts on Viafania? Viafania had some good plays. He was playing was he playing at left back or was he playing at uh, he center? He was playing back? at left back. Yeah, uh, and, was playing at right back. Yeah, and Viafania is definitely when he came in a he came in towards the end of the game, but he had two solid um, clearances in that time. And I think that if we if we keep giving him the reps, that maybe he can be, contribute. It's just we need to get, and I think we need to do it sooner rather than later, we need to get a core group of six to seven defenders all working together so that we can do combinations so that when we've got these tournaments, we can rotate guys in and out. We can't stick to this, to a, the same center back duo and then hope that the left and right backs can get in there with them. I mean, Yedlin could play with anybody, so we don't have to worry about him. He can him. also play on that right wing as well. Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing is, and I, I I would have to look at a shot, the shots for C.J. Sapong and for Dom Dwyer, but who were playing up forward. But I think that a lot of it was putting Yedlin on the right and having the forward in that high pressing line coming from the left. That's why McKinney was able to do what he did because he came in from left to right, and Yedlin was threatening threatening on the right. So, we'll see. Yedlin, I think Yedlin, Yedlin's continued development and getting a solid center back core is the key. I don't think we need to get a, a left wing back necessarily. I think we need to get a left defender that can slot in that way so it should it should be interesting to see how the team selection is going forward especially 
I no, that's too early. Any final thoughts on the game before I make I make that transition? Um I I don't have actually any any other thoughts, I don't think. In that case, when it'll be interesting to see how this center backing situation goes going that, forward. That's what I'm looking towards most in these upcoming months. In these friendlies, especially the one that was announced for January, where we're playing oh. Bosnian and Herzegova. See, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what Herzegova was. I've heard of Bosnia, but I've never heard of Herzegova. So and it's being played in. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, you I, saw I, my I... tweet yesterday. <laughs> I almost threw up in my mouth. I'm, I apologize for anybody <laughs> who might be offended by this. But the game will be played in the Stubhub Center. Home of the LA Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see my tweet, did you? I tweeted out yesterday Actually did when, not. It, when it was announced that we needed to stop for a minute and not talk about the fact that the U.S. is getting right back on the horse and playing two friendlies within three months of each other after not qualifying for the world cup and realize that the game was scheduled for a Sunday in late January in LA at the stadium that the LA chargers have been using all season and will use next season and realize that, Oh my gosh, this is basically us soccer saying to the LA chargers, your guys' season is done. You're not going to the playoffs, which is accurate, but still funny. It's the equivalent of the Seattle Sounders scheduling a friendly at CenturyLink Field in early January and saying, oh, hey, Seattle Seahawks, you guys aren't playing anymore. Bye-bye now. This is our stadium again. And it's funny because now the roles are reversed because it's a American football team sharing with the soccer club. <laughs> that that the irony of that will never, will never, I will never get over it. And I think it 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 might very well be one of those things we look back on and say, oh, that was the point that they switched. They started switching, as evidenced by the fact that. Atlanta keeps selling out Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And the Falcons failed to do that. <laughs> well, I mean, the Falcons blew a 28-3 lead, so... Uh, that's, and... you know, yeah. Well, that, that has to do with the fact that Atlanta United is, a, is an exciting, entertaining, attacking team, while the Falcons, <sighs> just they just blow leads. I hate that I like watching Atlanta United, but it was it was easy to cheer against them with Columbus. Which, by the way, did you see that there's a brewery? And it, just to slide right into another piece of news, there's a brewery from Germany that owns a Bundesliga two team. I think it's a Bundesliga. I I may have heard about this. That. Also, that is 
showing its intent. They have a new brew called a new crew brew. And a lot of people are interpreting this as their call out that they are going to buy the Columbus crew, which would be a very interesting development. That would but, be, a very, be a very interesting development. But we will, we will remain tuned to that. The Columbus crew play the, who are they? Toronto. Oh, Toronto. Duh. I almost said New York Red Bulls. And then I started laughing. Yeah. Um, play Toronto in the first leg of the Eastern Conference Finals on a week from today. I thought it was actually today, and then I realized, oh, international break. Never mind. You texted me that. Yes, yes, I did, because I got sad, because I was like, ooh, Monday, USL Final, Tuesday, Eastern and Western Conference Finals, back to back. Let's Let's talk about that final. Oh my god! I, I was not able to watch that final because it was on ESPNU, and I don't get ESPNU. I watched the whole thing, Jordan. It was it was spectacular. It was so good. It was it. Just to give everybody context, um, now that we finished talking about the Columbus Crew update and talking about the January friendly where the U.S. will take on Bosnia. Let's talk about the fact that while during this international break, the USL United Soccer League, the Division Two team, and as of next year, the only Division Two team, w- played their final between the Louisville City FC and Swoop Park Rangers, which, if anybody doesn't understand who that is, because nobody does, that is the... USL B team for Sporting Kansas City. And so they played the final in Louisville at Louisville Slugger Field. And so oversold the stadium. Not not sold out. Oversold the capacity. 14,500 people packed into a triple-A baseball stadium to watch a Division II soccer, two Division II soccer teams play for a final. This is why Louisville is building their own stadium to be completed by 2020. 10,000-seater stadium for a second division team. And the fact that these, that these clubs are doing this year in and year out, this is only the third year in existence for Louisville City. And I know this because they were once the feeder team for Orlando City in 2015. Bet you didn't know that. You might have mentioned that to me. Fair enough. So And then and then Louisville scores in the 88th minute. Yeah, and of course they make it dramatic after two goals were disallowed. One for Louisville and one for Swoop Park Rangers, both in the first half. And it got dire towards the end. It was getting chippy, and then they he puts it in. And I think it was Lancaster. I, I don't know many of their players, but these guys were a bunch of young kids, a lot of them just journeyman soccer players. There's one kid, I think it was Lancaster, actually, 
who was in the Tottenham Academy and rejected from the Tottenham Academy, and he scores the game-winning goal to win the USL Cup, which to many people is like, oh, it's second division. It's not professional. No, it's a professional club. They're not amateurs. There were several... They were going through it during the halftime of this match um, on ESPNU, talking about how the USL had increased by three clubs and how quite a few call-ups were occurred where four of the 11 starters for the Jamaican national team that made it that started the gold cup final this year were USL players four of the 11 that's an incredible stat and because of that USL is flaunting how great of a season they had over 2 million people throughout the year and between that between those announcements and what happened at Louisville Slugger Field it was incredible to see I'm, they literally as soon as the match ended all the Louisville supporters stormed the pitch it was absolutely and that incredible. is amazing that is amazing to me It reminds me a lot of seeing like a fourth division. I've seen this a couple of times, like fourth division clubs in England that get promoted to the third division or keep that. Going. That brings to mind the, I forget what year it was the championship playoff semifinal between Leicester city and Watford. Yes. Yes. I actually, I, I watched the final goal from that the other day. I, it's funny you bring that up. And if exactly. You're, if you're not familiar with this, um, was it? It was 2-2 on aggregate. Yes. It was well beyond stop what the stoppage time the ref allowed. Um, Wasn't there a penalty? Uh, there was a, a Lesser City player went down in the box. Very, very soft penalty. The ref gives it. Everyone's calling ball crap. And he goes up, this Leicester City player goes up to take it, and the Watford keeper makes a double save. Most amazing thing I've ever seen. Then, Watford clearance. Watford go on the counter. Ball gets sent into Hulk. He heads it down. Up comes Troy Deeney and just blasts it into the top right corner. And it was the last touch of the game for, and this, to win the, whole, the playoff. The whole of Vicarage Road just goes absolutely ballistic. Troy Deeney runs over the stands, jumps into the stands, sells with the fans... Supporters are storming the field. If there is a last-minute goal, it, it, it's in definitely my top five. And the fact, and, and that was to go from, was that a championship to Premier League promotion, or was that the championship playoff to go to the championship? I, I... That was the championship playoff to go to the Premier League. Okay. so that... That, was, that was the chance to go to Wembley to play in the final. Okay. So, basically, 
the the line we just drew without even talking about it was the fact that a a final for the USL was very similar to the final for a championship club, which in in my opinion, drawing the equivalent of USL to the championship, at least when it comes to the fans, I don't know about quality of play. I wouldn't mind seeing a couple of USL and championship clubs going head to head at some point. That'd be super entertaining. But comparing the two means that if nothing else, we've got a system that is growing. We're seeing more attendance in the lower leagues. Like, I would love, and I might actually do this in the coming weeks, is compare the USL attendance numbers over the past five years to the ML, to the initial MLS numbers. That would be very interesting to see. Initial MLS, you're talking like in the 90s. Correct. Back when MLS was this struggling upstart, getting players from anywhere and everywhere. So, hmm. That's going to be my homework assignment. I've just self-assigned myself a homework assignment live on air. So, yeah. Louisville City won won the USL Cup. They don't get any... They don't get promotion. Because, well, that's... We'll leave that up to the next USSF president, which we can talk about here for a little bit. But which it, I don't think that's not going to happen until Don Garber's not commissioner anymore. But that's a different conversation for a different time. Yes, that that definitely an accurate summarization. To close that out, this club that wasn't going to win promotion. They were simply playing for their fans and for the pride of winning their league. They were ecstatic. There were several players, including their young goalie, who said it was the best moment of his life. That's incredible. And it it was incredible to watch, and it was a great, great broadcast. It wasn't a secondary broadcast on ESPNU. It was a great broadcast. And I was very happy to see that. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of this partnership between ESPN and USL in the years to come. That being said... I'm excited as well to see the USL grow. Especially with... You beat me to it! You beat me to it! Especially with the formation of USL D3. And we should be hearing about what clubs are moving or are going to be forming... In this new league. But what we're already seeing, and I mean, USL hinted at it, the president of USL hinted at it during halftime last night. Get this, I I don't think you, I told you this, Julie Stewart Binks was the sideline reporter for that match. Julie Stewart Binks, who is normally sideline reporter for FS1. No, she's for Nor- ESPN. Broadcast- is she, she ESPN? I thought she was yes. Fox. No, she's ESPN. Okay. Normally broadcasting for, regardless, MLS. For MLS. Right? I know this because big, I was 20 feet big from MLS her. Big MLS matches, mind you. Yeah, and like the one where she was in the stands 10 feet from me during the home, the first ever match at Orlando City Stadium. 
There's a picture of me waving at Julie Stewart Banks. Did she notice you? No. no. Okay. That's okay. That's Anyways. Slightly disappointing. Anyway, uh, if I move on here to a different topic. Speaking of a club who is building their own stadium, just today, November 14th, year of our Lord, 2017, FC Cincinnati has announced that they are privately funding a 21,000-seat stadium in the city of Cincinnati. It, did they actually announce that it's going to be in Cincinnati? That's one detail I did not I, I did not get I, from that I release. Heard, I have heard multiple options that it's going to be in Cincinnati or it's going to be directly across the river in Kentucky. Yeah, and that's the that's what I'm wondering is are they going if they can find riverfront territory or property to build a stadium in Cincinnati alongside Paul Brown Stadium and Great American Ballpark. Yeah, that would be it would be interesting to see them put it there, but I don't to my knowledge there's not a lot of room. There, 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 there they would is have... not a lot of room. Coming from a person who regularly goes to Cincinnati Reds baseball games, there is not a lot of room on that riverfront, at least on the Cincinnati side. Which is why it might be best for a fan experience point of view that they put it on the other side. And on the that's Kentucky a, side. And that's a big thing. And I Of have... course, you, you could have some banter between Cincinnati and Columbus the same way NYCFC and New York Red Bulls have. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think you know, about you know, that. NYCFC... NYCFC fans telling off Red Bull fans, you're not New York, you're New Jersey, whatever it is. You could have seen the same thing from Columbus crew fans telling Cincinnati fans that you're not Cincinnati, you're Kentucky. And all that all that Cincinnati fans would have to do in response is cheer Austin crew, Austin crew. Although it would probably be Austin Aztecs, because for whatever reason, that name keeps sticking. And the only reason no, I know... No, no, no. I'll tell you what. I've, I've said this before. If... Oh, gosh. If, if Precourt decides to take the crew from Columbus and move it to Austin and not name it Austin Villa, I will eat my computer. Get out. Just, just, just. Ugh. He's made that joke to me multiple times, and there are not enough Facebook face palm gifts in the world for that joke. It's a great joke, and I'm laughing again, but just why? But because yes. why not? Exactly. I actually met a, a fellow U.S. soccer fan in... Um, Orlando, who was a huge FC Cincinnati fan, who just told me about that culture. And he, just hearing about what's happened in that city the past two years is fun to hear. It's fun to see, and I'm looking forward to them joining MLS with this bid. And God knows that they will. Before we move on more to that MLS expansion news, 
having already addressed the U.S. soccer men's team, um, I do want to mention two things, two more things about USL. Also today, big day for soccer in the United States. Um, USL announced, actually Atlanta United, now that I think about it, I never saw a USL announcement, but Atlanta United announced that they will be fielding a USL Division II team in the year our Lord 2018, which means that so, they are so is that gonna back... Play at- at Mercedes-Benz as well? No, they're playing in a suburb of Atlanta at a, you guessed it, baseball stadium. Yeah, I know. I know. And my my pipe dream for Fort Myers one day getting a, getting a USL team basically hinges on them either playing at a college stadium or a at a spring training baseball stadium so i can't really complain about that right now but regardless another mls team committing the time money and resources to taking their academy and ultimately putting a strong team together to compete in the usl are they going to do very well who knows are they going to play the same kind of football? Probably, which could make them very exciting to see. That being said, they did not announce the name, which I found very interesting. I don't think it's going to be called Atlanta United B or Atlanta United 2. I think it's going to be something something else. I don't think it'll even have the Atlanta name in it. But, but it'll would still it... be but it'd still be a USL club tied to Atlanta United. Yes, in the same way that um Tucson, Swoop Park Rangers, Real Monarchs, some of those other clubs that share ownership groups but not names. I like it when these clubs get their own identities. That's nice. It makes it feel like it makes it feel like their own thing. On, on the other hand, I remember seeing clips of Swoop Park Rangers um, semifinal against whoever it was they were playing. I believe it was OKC Energy. Yeah, Oklahoma City. The o- yeah, Oklahoma City Energy. Yes, and there was basically nobody at Sporting Park doesn't surprise me and that's what happens that's what happens happens when you have usl b teams playing under the same ownership it's it's basically what happens when when you look at some colleges and you see men's and women's basketball teams i it's 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 sad to see but that's that's how it is sometimes at most colleges there are very there is no comparison in the, the attendance numbers between men and women's basketball. Except at so, UConn. Except at UConn. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that's it. That's what ex- essentially happens. You have the varsity team and you have the JV team. Not to say, I'm just going to help you out here, buddy. Not to say I, I'm that not, women. I'm not putting, I'm not putting down. Basketball He's all. talking about a men's varsity and junior varsity team. Not that women 
our junior varsity. I am not saying that at all, but... Clarify. Anyways. I just want to clarify. I'm not putting down women's basketball at all. I actually enjoy our... Remember what the women's... I never got to go to a basketball game in college, but I'm pretty sure our women's basketball team in college could beat the men's basketball team. Alex and I both went to the same university, all of that Nazarene University. Our women's basketball team averages or did average 105.7 points a game. To me, that is absolutely mind-blowing. For an NAIA school. Yes. And it was affectionately referred to as Tiger Bowl. <laughs> but we're we're getting we're going on a tangent here. Anyways, um and, anyways, um and here's that... something here's something I want to talk about. Are you familiar with this court drama that is the NASL against U.S. soccer. I am, and I've read the I've read two summaries on the matter, and it. I'm not surprised by the outcome. I'm not surprised that two courts have now ruled that the NASL, who by the way wrapped up their season over the weekend as well, crowning the um, the San expansion Francisco San Francisco Deltas as NASL champions, which is basically like being the champions of a sinking ship. But they won the championship and there are rumors that that club is going to shut down because of how badly they were managed. And this would not be the first time that the winning club goes under. Mm-hmm. Happened, the same thing happened it, it in happened, New York. Cosmos. New York, New York Cosmos. Cosmos won the soccer cup, the NSAL cup last year, and they immediately folded until they were saved. Who, who saved them? Do you know? Some ownership. I don't know the ownership group, but an ownership group came in, bought them, and basically not only saved the Cosmos, but literally saved NASL from yes. ceasing operations. Because, because NASL lost three franchises and gained only one in the offseason. They correct. lost um they lost the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Uh no and they lost, they no, lost the on. Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um and the Auto and Ottawa Fury. Correct. Um let me double check my facts on Yes, I was correct. I always get Jacksonville Armada and Fort Myers or Fort Lauderdale mixed up. No, uh, Jacksonville Armada is still yes. in the NASL. Yep. Given that this, given with this court ruling, NASL is not going to survive for the next two years. No, I honestly think that their smartest move, given the fact that they have a in the cities they have, they have a solid fan base. They do have a solid fan base that includes uh, that includes Indianapolis, that includes Jacksonville. I have I'm aware mm-hmm. that Jacksonville Armada does have a good following. 
Uh, you have, I'm a, I believe, North Carolina FC has good numbers. They have a decent following. Miami FC has a good following. Edmonton has a good following. Puerto Rico I have, does not have the best following. San Francisco is okay, but they all have better followings than I would say the bottom 10 in attendance for USL, which incidentally are all owned by MLS clubs. Referencing back to what you mentioned about sport parks. We just talked about. So their smartest move and the smartest move for their ownership groups would be to sit down and say, okay, we're not doing too hot with what we're doing right now. They don't have great competition. There's only eight club, eight eight clubs, nine clubs, eight clubs, eight clubs this year. That doesn't make for good competition. No, You're doesn't. playing the same seven clubs two or three times. So instead, the NASL needs to, and the NASL is not run well. That's the other thing. The NASL has been hemorrhaging money for years. And they're claiming that because USSF keeps moving the goalposts on them, which is a load of malarkey, because they're not complying with Division II standards, considering that teams keep jumping ship because they aren't run well, because players aren't paid, as evidenced by Fort Lauderdale, or in the case of New York, they just fold because they overextend themselves because they don't have rules nasl doesn't have the the salary and the financial rules that usl and mls has and you have to have those rules in in this market right now it's a very competitive market for a product that not everybody is necessarily going to partake of that being said, instead of just sinking more money into these investments, the NSL leadership needs to swallow their pride and merge with USL. And they need to do it this winter. They yes, need to that, get... that is their best option. Because if not, they're a Division three. They are a Division Three next year. That was the official ruling. They are appealing it. They have no chance of winning that appeal. Because if they don't, that league is going to fold. Uh, most, if not all, the clubs are going to fold. Losing or... some incredible clubs and fan bases along the and, way. And, and one or two or three of those clubs will move to USL themselves. I can guarantee you Indy, Jacksonville, and Edmonton will all end up in USL if NASL folds. New York Cosmos are... Maybe. New York Cosmos are on the brink. Considering the fact that there's a new ownership group, I think that ownership group can save the club. I think that they can put the money in. Same thing with San Francisco... Same thing with Carolina. Miami FC is a very interesting case because they have a market on a club that doesn't that has MLS that's hanging in MLS lingo. There is 
Beckham United FC that's been hanging in limbo since 2013 and they can't get their get that stadium off the ground and I don't think they will be able to I think that they need that and the owner of Miami FC is the leader of the promotion relegation discussions that have the big campaign that that lawsuit that was processed by Stock, Stockade FC and Miami FC to get promotion and relegation going. And the reason Miami FC wants that is because their product has been out there longer. They they went to the bloody quarterfinals of the of the Open Cup this year. And lost to Cincinnati. And, and, and lost to Cincinnati. <laughs> which, to me, was like, which league was going to survive? Which, we, we all knew the answer to that question. And and it's not because of the quality of play. It's the quality of management and the fact yes. that NASL is not managed the way USL has. They don't have a media group. They don't have the marketing power to do this. And that's in big market. San Francisco's a huge market. Indy's a huge market. Carolina, huge market. New York, huge market. Miami, huge market. You know what all five of those markets have in common? They all have NFL teams. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have marketing prowess like USL does, forget it. It's that simple. Those clubs need to jump ship and join USL because if not, they're going to end up in Division Three, and the fans and either the quality of play will drop or the fans won't come out. It's as simple as that. And when USL D3 comes in 2019 and bumps them out of D3 because you know gosh darn well that USL D3 is going to launch with a ton of great clubs. Oh, yes. There's 14 markets currently in contention. 14. Just for a league that's launching in 18 months. And... That's that's impressive to me. Not to mention the fact there are big negotiations happening. This happened during the All-Star game. It was the big conversation during the All-Star break for MLS that for USSF... We are looking at the possibility of these of these um, MLS owned clubs not being allowed to continue in D2. They were originally allowed to compete in D3 without hesitation, but because USL achieved D2 status, because of a lot of the upper echelon clubs, such as Cincinnati, Louisville, you've got San Antonio, Sacramento, all these clubs that are all vying for big market shares and all that. Trying to get into MLS. Exactly. You've got those clubs, and then you've got the Charleston Batteries. You've got the Oklahoma Cities, who are either established clubs with smaller but loyal fan bases or newer fan bases that are still growing 
those clubs don't want to be playing against clubs that are only doing it for development. That it's not the top priority to compete. They want competitive leagues to get a competitive product to show to their fans. Which is why you do the same thing that that the German Bundesliga does. Exactly. Bundesliga 2... Clubs with uh, B teams in the Bundesliga are not allowed to move out of the Bundesliga 3 league. Exactly. And that's what a lot of USL clubs that aren't owned by MLS clubs want. And I think it's going to happen. I think they're going to take that word. And I also think that because of the PDL's relationship with usl and this is not going to be our relegation promotion podcast even though i'm going to keep teasing the crap out of that i think that within the next 10 years we go from having right now we have a first division a second division no third division and a fourth division and so on where the after the second division right now, there's no pro soccer. It's all amateur or semi-pro. After USL 3, then the United Soccer League organization will start working on PDL. And before you know it, clubs like Lansing United, who is in contention to be a D3 club, will end up having the opportunity if they don't make it into d3 have the opportunity to play in and eventually create four levels of pro soccer in this country more local teams more academies all of that which gets more people in the door for the big games which gets more people in the door for national team games heck my dream, and I've, I've said this to you in several personal conversations, that is that Fort Myers gets a team in D3 and ultimately it allows us to eventually host under 17 and under 20 national team games. I, I don't know why these, the, and this will be my last word on this whole promotion relegation, because we've got we're building this. USL is actually, in my opinion, doing a better job of helping build the lower parts of the pyramid than MLS ever has. Absolutely. And they are the key to seeing how we can get this going. I think that there will be promotion and relegation between divisions two, three, and four within 10 years. Mark, You're going to see... You're going to see promotion and relegation between the divisions of USL before you're ever going to see promotion and relegation between USL and MLS. Yes, exactly. And that's something I think I agree that promotion and relegation should not happen to the top tier yet. I think there is too big. uh, Once once we finished expansion, which I think we should finish expansion. Yes, finish expansion before you deal with promotion relegation. And once you finish expansion and Don Garber needs to put his foot down, I've heard that the number is either 28 
30 or 32. I haven't, I, there's no Just definite value, but put I've put your heard... foot down and set the max number of franchise or clubs. And once you do that, and once all the clubs are stable enough, have established enough fan bases where they w- can't pull a Chivas USA, they can't have San Jose going to Houston, they can't have Columbus going to Austin, which, by the way, is in contention for a USL D3. So you've got there's a club starting there next year in USLD two. But if you've got those things in place, then we can talk about it. Until then, it should be a conversation about development between the second, third, and fourth tiers. And we need to make the fourth tier a professional within the next five years. So that's my take on that. Uh, I I I don't want to get into promotion relegation anymore, and I think you would agree because we'll be here all night. Yes, here's here's what I want to finish off with this week. As we've going back to the men's national team, as we see the the start to see the World Cup field start to fill out more and more, and more and more national teams are excluded from the World Cup. There is there has been talk about a a NIT quote unquote league or tournament between the US, the Chile and the Netherlands, the Italy, Ghana, Cameroon. Yeah, it's basic it, 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 Here's here's my question. Is will this tournament be called be called the He Believes Tournament? <laughs> no, you here's why and here's why. And here's why. The only reason it will not be called the He Believes Tournament is because you have to win a World Cup to call a tournament the He Believes Tournament. In 2026, when the United <laughs> States, when our captain, our leader, and by the way, go read his article. I will link it in every possible way I can. Go read Christian Pulisic's response to not qualifying for the World Cup. It was pure art. When our captain hoists the World Cup in 2026, in 2027 we can have the He Believes tournament in the United States. Until then, no Sonara. No. I don't even know what no Sonara means, but I don't care. It should not happen. That being said... But what are your thoughts about a quote-unquote NIT tournament between the U.S., Netherlands, Chile, Italy, and other nations that have been excluded from the World Cup? That being said, I believe that for the best health of the United States soccer program in 2018 and 2019, early 2019, that that tournament should happen. I don't think it should be a tournament. I think it should be a round robin. Everybody plays each other once or twice. And over uh it shouldn't necessarily be a 
before, after, during the World Cup. I know it shouldn't be during the World Cup. It should not we, be during the World Cup. It no, should take place. Absolutely not. I think it should take place before and after the World Cup. And it should basically be a way for these larger federations, for these federations. Italy. I mean, Italy has won the World Cup and they're not going. That should make us that should make us feel better but it should also make us all want to help each other yes so that should if, happen if nothing else if nothing else the u.s men's national team should take these young kids that played earlier this evening exactly go to europe and play these national teams that will be in the world cup yeah and it shouldn't it it if it's not going to be an organized NIT tournament, which, by the way, to all the soccer fans that are listening to this, all 25 of you, and that's optimistic, the NIT is the not invited tournament for the, the, bas- the college basketball teams that do not qualify for March Madness. And that's what has been joked about in various circles in the soccer community over the past 35 days. It's been called the Alternative Facts World Cup. It's been called the United States World Cup. We're not going to be South Korea where we say we've won every World Cup since the dawn of time. We want to say, hey, we're not going to just sit idly. This is not going to be 1999 when the United States national team only played two matches after the nightmare hell ride that was the 98 World Cup. We no, need we need the, to do the, the opposite. Thing, we need to the get worst off. Thing that we can do is sit on our bums, mope and whine, and not do anything about it. Exactly, and that's why Dave Sarchin should probably keep the helm for the next. I don't think that we should pick a manager until after the World Cup. We should keep, least, we should be talking to in, these clubs. But At we least should not, not until after we vote for a new USF exactly. president. Exactly. And we need to pick a new technical director and a new coach after the World Cup. At and least. Wo- and once we do that, then we can say, okay, we've, we've got Dave Sarchin, who, for all we know, might be in the running. He's got an incredible resume. He... He coached the Chicago Fire for five years, which what's with this tradition of managers coaching the Chicago Fire and also the United States men's national team. But anyways, if exactly if if this NIT happens, which I hope it does. It should be all about playing the kids. It should be. It shouldn't be marketing fluff. Nothing like that. It should be all about playing the kids, testing the field, seeing who is going to be ready for 2019. That's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about the money. It shouldn't, and we should play it at MLS stadiums. For the love of all that is holy, don't half sell out phoenix university stadium absolutely no play it at mls stadiums heck 
play one or two games at a USL stadium. That what you know it'd be great. I'm and I'm not kidding. Play a game at Sacramento Stadium. Play it at San Antonio Stadium. Just going to throw that out there because give the system some credit. Don't I swear to God the Father and all that is holy if they play one more match in Dallas and I see seats empty because no one shows up to FC Dallas games, I'm going to lose my mind. Here endeth my rant. I like the NIT. I don't want it to have a big fruffy trophy. I just want it to be all about, hey, we failed. We're trying to get back up. And it's it's saying to the these other federations, the Netherlands, the Chiles, the Italians, let's help each other. Exactly. We, we all failed to make the World Cup. Let's help each other to make sure that doesn't happen again. It can be Alcoholics Anonymous for people that miss the World Cup. It's it's a it's a support group. <laughs> On that note, I think I think it's time that we 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 call this a show. We can, I think we can get more into Christian Polisic's letter next time, and we can also talk about the women next time. The women played two matches against Canada, but I think we can talk about them more because. We have a lot to talk about for them coming up because mm-hmm. of this qualifying cycle. So that'll be exciting to talk about. This has been the American Soccer Broadcast (ASB). I'm Alex Ryder. You can find me on various social medias. Um, Twitter, I am Ghost underscore Writer R E I T E R. I have to spell it that way because I get called Reader or Writer. I'm not related to the Wright brothers in any way, shape, or form. I'm German, seven eighths German, one eighth Scandinavian. So go Iceland, 2018. I am on Facebook, not for any of you guys, because don't be creepy. But we are the American Soccer Broadcast on Twit on Facebook. And I'm also on Instagram, where I post pictures of my dog. My guinea pig. The fact that it's 75 degrees in Florida right now. And I played and golf. And he posts lots of pictures at Orlando City matches. Yes. I My burn, by the way, is almost completely healed. There's going to be a scar, but I burned myself during the last it, match of the season. By the way... It, it's, a, uh, it's a war wound. Yeah. You should be proud of that. Yeah. Um, by the way, um, one other thing, and I'm going to get serious for a moment before Jordan talks about his um yes this is a war wound yes it was from when we were on church street but you orlando city lost a truly great man joseph campo jr was the lead campo capo for the for the ruckus the supporters club i am a member of and he was beloved in the city, and he was tragically killed about two weeks ago in a right after our previous recording in a car accident. And he was celebrated during the Orlando City versus Puerto Rico national team 
friendly and he was known as the purple deadpool and he was a great fan a great human being and a great father and i'm gonna link in the show notes to to his life to the videos of what he did and to a gofundme page to help his family so now that we've gotten a little more serious i'm gonna let jordan talk about what the goofy things he says on social media uh you can follow my sorry actually actually i'm gonna be add and end my portion of the podcast on a high note if we do have this nit if the winner of the nit and the winner of the world cup play during the beginning of the next world cups um qualification cycle is that considered the fifa world super cup food for thought i just shrugged <laughs> food for thought so jordan what do you do on but, social media uh you can follow me on twitter as J-R-A-Y Hawkins. Uh, you can find me tweeting mostly about live tweeting U.S. Men's National Team matches, Seattle Sounder matches, Manchester United matches, uh, and just general soccer stuff and other random stuff. And I'm also excited to say that that American Soccer Broadcast is on Twitter as well. Woo! You can follow us at ASB podcast and we just tweet generally about what we talk about here on the podcast uh, state of American soccer men's national team women's national team and other soccer related things well that's it we, we, we managed to talk about Phoenix from the ashes so Phoenix from the ashes Jordan Phoenix from the ashes Phoenix from the ashes be excellent to each other <laughs>